this song made me think about Hebrews 2 where it says since the children have flesh and blood he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death that is the devil and free those free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death I just want to tell you as a child of God there's no one or no thing that we should fear we should fear God that is enough that is all Father bless our time together as our hearts are open to you we believe that we're here today by divine appointment and so I pray that by your Holy Spirit today you would do a miracle once again and meet us where we are individually though we're very different ages ethnicities men and women boys and girls Lord bring your truth to bear upon us we pray we ask all this in the powerful name of Jesus and God's people agreed and said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome, Gordon said, to 2018. And uh, they were here last week, but I want to just uh, shout out again to, to Jordan and Jason Hubner for filling in for me on, on Christmas Eve and Jordan uh, taking care of that message on, on short notice and, and, uh, and them coming through with the Christmas Eve service that I shared about last week, how hard it was for me to be away for that, but thanks for carrying the ball down the field, and we, we appreciate that so much. Thank you. It means a lot to us as a congregation. Yeah, let's give them a hand. You know, it, it means a lot to me. Uh, means a lot to you, but it means a lot to me personally, so big shout out there. We're, we're back to the journey through, our, through the Bible, and our, our text today is going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, and I just want to tell you today that this is going to be an above average sermon. I just thought I'd share that with you before I started. Now, I'm going to tell you why. It's because there is more scripture reading in this message than normal. And you've heard me say before that the only thing that we know is going to be absolutely true and every nuance or iota is going to be the Word of God. And so this is above average because there's a lot of scripture reading today. So you'll be jumping around, you'll be reading some off the screen with me, but um, uh, lots of scripture reading. Let's review a little bit. We finished right before, right before the Christmas season, we finished up with Act 1 of, of what I'm calling the, the greatest story, the unfolding drama of God, and, and it's the provision of redemption. And so we want to go through the chart today just to bring you up to speed because some of you uh, were, were not here for that. But uh, I see Genesis 1 through 11 as the prologue of God setting the stage. And then in Genesis 12, God makes this great promise to Abraham that I'm going to make of you a mighty nation. And what we're going to see all through the Old Testament, in fact, through the Bible, we see this dichotomy. We see God saying, I will, and God does it apart from anybody or anything. And then we see a man's response where we get to the law and we see commands in the Old Testament and New Testament, and he says, you must. So we're always going to see this blend of God saying, I will, you must. Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. God chose Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel, hence the nation of the name of the nation of Israel today. He had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel that you see all through the scripture. Joseph, you know, was sold into slavery. If you remember, he went down to Egypt. 
He became a deliverer to the people of God. God's hand was in that. And during the great famine, the rest of the family came down. While they were down in Egypt, the, the people multiplied. If you're going to have a great nation, you've got to have what? You've got to have people. So they grew to, we think, probably two or three million. And then we see the black dot there, that's Moses. God gave them a leader. If you're going to have a nation, you've got to have people and you've got to have a leader. Then he took them on, on the Exodus and the first stop was at Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, he gave them the law. You can read about that in Exodus 20 is the summary of the law in the, in the Ten Commandments. But there's much more than that. But that was the culture. That was where he gave them the culture. So there's people, there's a leader, and now there's a culture. Next, that we see in Joshua, they get a land. Then we see the time of the judges, which was some 200, 350 years, something like that. And it was a terrible time. If you read, I hate to read Judges. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And God would periodically raise up these judges who would help them and deliver them. But it was just back and forth. Then we begin the series of the prophets. The first prophet was Samuel. God's plan was to speak through the kings. But they said, no, we want a king like everybody else. And so we see there that the first king, the monarchy started. And the first king was Saul. And then there was David. And then there was Solomon. And God had a little more freedom with both of them, with David and Solomon, not perfectly to speak through them. And under Solomon, we see the fulfillment of this promise to make them a mighty nation. And they knew prosperity uh, beyond imagination during the time of Solomon. But alas, after the time of Solomon, the kingdom divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. They rebelled against God. They had a few good kings, a lot of bad kings. They were led off into captivity, which is the next slide. Uh, Crisis A was the northern kingdom, 722. The Assyrians carried them off in captivity. And then Crisis B, the Babylonians in 586 B.C. And we see then they were under Babylon and Persia. And then you see the small square with a circle. And that's the mini, what I'd call a mini restoration of the nation of Israel. And that was under Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah, if you remember reading about that. Then there's the 400 silent years between Malachi and uh, the book of Matthew and the coming of Christ. They're under the Romans then and Christ comes. And you know the story of Jesus. We spent so much time on that and the resurrection and what that means to us. Resurrection and then the ascension in Acts 1. And thus ends Act 1, the provision of redemption in Jesus Christ. So next week we're going to start with Act 2, but today, today's message is kind of a bridge over. And, and as we're doing this, I want to go back to some premises that I started with when I started this series, because I want, you to, I want to just remind you of some things we're going to see over and over. One is we're going to see a unity to Scripture. We're going to see a unity to the character and the essence of God. We're going to see that the God of Adam was the God of Abraham, the God of Jonah, the God of Matthew, and the God of Paul. We're going to see that. There's going to be that unity through the Bible. While at the same time, there is also a progress to what God is doing. And we're going to see that today because we are at a place right now where we have a huge, a huge shift. In fact, I think between Acts, after the ascension of Jesus into Acts 2, is probably, probably one of the largest gaps, perhaps the largest gap in Scripture in terms of a paradigm shift. 
a change. So, looking back at Act 1, the nation of Israel, the building of the nation that God promised to Abraham in Genesis 12 and the provision of redemption, remember under that system, the nation of Israel was God's channel of redemption. Second Chronicles 6 says this, As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name, speaking of God, and your mighty hand, and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray toward this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your own people Israel, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. And so we have, a, we have a, a sprinkling all through the Old Testament of people who were outside the nation of Israel who were brought in to the nation of Israel and became part of God's redemptive plan. I think of, I think of Rahab and I think of Ruth. I think of Uriah the Hittite and others who were brought in to the nation of Israel because that was the channel of redemption. If you wanted to find God in the Old Testament, you came to Israel. Because the God of the Jews was the true and living God. One nation, one place, one faith. That was, that was the old economy. What we see now is, is an earthquake. Because things are changing, huge. Ephesians chapter 2, our reading today begins in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly... You who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcision by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. May God bless the reading of his own holy inspired word. Wow. Do you you understand what he's saying here? He's saying that Jews and non-Jews, Jews and Gentiles now are going to be reconciled. You see, for someone living in that Old Testament economy and being a Jew in that economy, for them to think that Gentiles were going to be part of the plan, I mean, it was like the world's upside down. You couldn't get your mind around it. They couldn't fathom this idea of what God is doing. So again, we see this progress. Now, why did we get to this place? Well, I think it's helpful to understand the backstory. So another Bible reading as I said, Matthew 21. Told you it was going to be a good sermon, above average. Matthew 21, starting in verse 33. 
Jesus is speaking and he says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and put a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. He will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builder rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He who falls on this stone will be crushed, will be broken to pieces, and he who on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. God planted a vineyard in the Old Testament. That's the nation of Israel. You go and especially you see in the book of Isaiah, you see this language where he talks about, this is my vineyard that I have planted. The nation of Israel, his channel of redemption. He sent his, he sent his servants, his, his prophets, who were ignored and ridiculed and killed by Israel. And finally, he sent his own son, and this is prophetic, that they're going to kill them. And in verse 43, it says, the kingdom will take and be taken from you. The kingdom will be taken from you. Turn back to Matthew 16. Do you remember this? The interaction that Jesus had with his disciples and Peter? When Peter acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, verse 17, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Notice verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now again, he, he's talking about the church, the ecclesia, it, the, the gathering. This is what we have this morning. We have a, a gathering of people who follow God. This is the ecclesia. It's not the only ecclesia. There's a lot of others all around the world that are meeting today in the name of Jesus Christ. Lots of gatherings that are happening. He, Jesus, says, I will build it. Again, God, God does things. God says, I'm going to do it, and then he does it. And remember, all through the Bible, we see this, that he tells us what he's going to do before he does it. He says, I'm going to do it, and then he does it. You know, I, I still like that. I love that. It's like telling the other team, hey, we're going to pass to the right this time. 
just wanted to let y'all know. I mean, no, you know, no team would ever do that. Because they're just, okay, we're stacking them over there. God says it doesn't matter what you do. You can't stymie my plans. He says, I will build my church. And he does what? He gave them the keys to the kingdom. So he's telling these Jewish leaders, the kingdom has been taken from you. And he lists why. You rejected my prophets, and you're going to reject my own son. And the kingdom's taken from you. So we're in the midst of this huge change. I just can't overemphasize that. They were moving from being Israel-centric to the church. That's the economy that we're living in right now. Uh, some people call it the church age. That's legit um, because that's the time in which we're living. So we're going to launch into that next week, and I'm going to unwrap how God established that and built that. We're going to take some of the seeds and build that through the first 12 chapters of Acts next week. But I just wanted us to talk a little bit about this today and get this idea. And I want to talk a little bit about how, how the church in Israel are alike and how they're different. So I'm going to give you a, a few thoughts. Uh, let's talk first about what they're alike, where they're alike. Uh, Israel was God's chosen people. They had a priesthood. They were a holy nation. It says in 1 Peter 2.9, if we could look at that, I think that's the next slide. But you are a chosen people, okay, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, Scott, if we could go back to the one before. Thanks. So, the, he says to the people who are, who are now Christians and in the church, you're my chosen people, like Israel. You have a priesthood. Now, the priesthood is different now because what we see in the New Testament is that every believer is a priest. We don't have to have anybody stand between us and God. In fact, it says our great high priest is in heaven. It's Jesus, and he's interceding with the Father for us. But we can go directly because of Jesus, we can go directly to God. So the priesthood, it's alike, but it's different. It's a holy nation, and it's different. And you're going to see that when I start unwrapping the differences in just a minute. Both of them, though, operated under God's authority, and both the church and Israel were part of God's redemptive plan. Now let's talk about what's different. Well, Israel was a nation... And it says we're a holy nation, but we're not a nation like Israel because the church, we don't have land. I think the Catholic church has a lot of land, but the church is, doesn't have land. I mean, we, we don't have a country. We don't have a country, you know. We, don't have, we haven't carved out our four acres or whatever we have here in the middle of Emporia and said, this is our land, this is our country here. And we're gonna be. So there's a difference between Israel and the church. Israel for, were for Jews only, other than those who crossed over the line and were converts. We have the Jews and Gentiles in, in Ephesians 2, 1, uh, 2, 11 through 14, which we uh, saw earlier. Remember, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of promise, who without hope and without God in the world. 
But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So there's no distinction here between Jews and Gentiles. And in fact, I think we need to, we need to recognize that it was... It was, I think it was a very hard thing. And you see the struggle in the early church when they're trying to figure out which of the laws they want the people to keep and not. And there's a big controversy about that in Acts 15 and, and all of that. Big transition because people who were formerly Jews and had found Jesus as their Messiah now were leaving Judaism to be a part of the church. Just as in the Old Testament, somebody came from outside and said, I'm going to become a Jew. Now he's saying to the Jews, you've got to leave Judaism and become part of the church. That, that was a tough thing. And, and, the, and you read about the struggles in, in the early church because they were trying to let go of this idea, we're God's chosen people, but now the Gentiles are too. And we're going to see that struggle some next week when we talk about Cornelius. Galatians 3.28 is a great verse. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So, breaking down the barriers, this is the progress we see. God is the same, but there is a progress to the plan of God. He used the nation of Israel, and that was His economy for hundreds and hundreds of years. 2,000 years ago, after Christ ascended in heaven, it was a huge change. And we don't appreciate it today because we've been part of the church. We've heard about the church. There hasn't been this Jew-Gentile kind of thing going on in our culture. It's, it's we, hard to get our minds around it. It was a huge change in the plan of God. What else is different? Well, it was one place of redemption back then. You went to the nation of Israel. You went to Jerusalem. The temple, the one temple was in Jerusalem. Now we have churches. We have a church here, and there's, I don't know, 30, 40 churches probably here in town that are meeting today in the name of Jesus. You go around the world. There are churches all around the world. Can you worship God in all those places? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. As you know, there's not one temple, but your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so whenever God's people meet together, wherever they are, it's, it's, in a sense, it's a temple to worship God. The last thing, and this is what I hinted at before, Israel was religious and civil. The church has no civil government. It is a, a spiritual entity. It is not a political entity. So, let me wrap this up with a couple big eyes and uh, big ideas and, and, and implications, I, I think, for us. Um, w- one is a challenge, and I, g- I guess one, I hope, is I can cast a vision of, of, of encouragement and empowerment. M- Matthew 28 is, is kind of the, you know, it's, our, it's, our, it's our, our great commission that we cling to. Jesus said, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Just huge paradigm shift where it was, come to Israel, come to Israel, come to Israel, come to the God of Israel, find the God of Israel. And now he's saying, go, 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 
go to the ends of the earth and take my message to everyone everywhere. Huge paradigm shift. I still remember what my seminary professor described as. He said that we have three components here. First is an indisputable authority. Indisputable. Very authority of Jesus. He says, all authority has been given to me. And then he empowers us. Second, it's an unquestionable command. Go and make disciples. I mean, what, what's, what's fuzzy about that? What's, what, what's ambivalent about that? I mean, is what's confusing? That's not confusing. And we have an unfailing promise that when we go in His power and His authority and we obey His command, we have the sure promise of God. What is that promise? What is that promise? I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm with you always. It goes back to that last song we, we sang that we have no fear because I am a child of God. I'm with you always to the end of the age. So we have authority to go and, and, and to speak and to reach out. And so that's why each of us, you know, like people say sometimes, we, every person is a mission field or a missionary. And we're missionaries. We're to go and share the good news, the hope of Christ, with everyone. Plant seeds everywhere we go. The, the last big idea is a, a word of inspiration. I, I didn't quite finish Ephesians chapter 2. Some of you may have noticed that. I was saving the last four verses for now. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. He's just said that we both, talking about Jews and Gentiles, have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I, I was reading this and I was thinking back to when I really yielded to the Lordship of Jesus Christ when I was 19 years old. And I remember one of the first things that I did in, in my own Bible study was I, I, I studied through the book of Ephesians and I I still have some, some rudimentary notes that I've, I ran across them the other day on one of my shelves. And, and I remember when I got to this and I was thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. And I remember drawing a little picture of a, of a house, of a house, and, and then it came down and then it had, had a foundation and it had a cornerstone. And, 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 and what, what it said to me, well, well, well let's, let's do something different. I, I don't know that I've done this in a while. I, I need you to help me wrap up the message today. And, and to do that, I need for everybody to stand. And then I want you to go to the outside of this room, and I want you to make a big circle. I'm not asking you to hold hands because there's a lot of sick people right now. But I want you, everyone to come and stand. I want you to make a big circle all the way around this room.
I know some of you want to hold hands, but don't do it. You might make somebody uncomfortable. Can we do it? Can we fit? Will we fit? Mercy. What a problem. All right, you have to stand a little closer. Stand a little closer. Let everybody in the circle. Will the circle be unbroken? So, so, so I envisioned this, and I drew this, this, this house, this house in my, in my little notebook, and, 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 and then I drew a little, and I'm not a drawer, an artist, but I had a foundation there, and I just envisioned there were, there were, there were all the, the prophets, and there's Isaiah and Jeremiah, and, and you know, great men of God, and, and then there were the apostles who did great things, and then it said that Jesus was the cornerstone of this. But it says, he says, you, if, if you've yielded your life to Christ, if you are in Christ, if you know God, you're part of that building. You're part of that building that he's built on the apostles and the prophets with Jesus himself as the cornerstone. And that the Spirit of God lives in you. So, I just thought, what a vision today to look around the room and to see each other and to see one another and to think, this is God's house. This is God's temple. You're a part of it. If you're a believer in Christ, you are a part of it as much as anybody on God's green earth. Anybody. What an opportunity. What a privilege. I don't know how it makes you feel, but it makes me feel like, I'm going to say it again, I am a child of God. To know that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Thank you for how in your own time and way you worked, you drew us to yourself. We heard the good news of Christ. We responded to you. And because of that, we can sing today that we're children of God and we have the Spirit of God within us and we're free from fear, the fear of death, the fear of tomorrow, the fear of the unknown because of you. What a privilege. So Lord, as we go forth, may we shine as lights for you. May we remember the command, the commission that's been given us to go and make disciples. May we be a bright and shining light for you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. As always, if you have questions about your journey, I'd love to chat with you. You are dismissed.